Welcome to the Embassy Church Podcast, coming from Apostle Kenneth K. Law. Let's prepare to hear a kingdom message that's sure to empower and inspire you. Let's listen. Well, uh, good evening, everyone. It is 7.30, and uh, God bless you guys. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. I hope you're having, having a phenomenal week. And I bless the Lord that you would take the time to join us and be on this uh, time of teaching impartation and uh, sharing the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. So we bless the name of the Lord. I thank God for you for taking the time to come. Um, and uh, we bless the Lord for you and your family and all that good stuff. And we're in the springtime. Seasons have changed. We're in the second quarter of the year. Um, God is still in control. He's still leading. He's still guiding He's still keeping us. He's still directing us, uh, still loving us and just delivering us and saving us and all that good stuff. So we thank God for him, his just unchanging hand. We thank the Lord for his constant love, unconditional love for us. And for that, we give him great praise uh, and just honor and glory today. So I'm going to pray and then we're just going to jump on. And I I want you to share this with many and tell them, come on, get on. You might want to be on this, uh, get on this call and um, be on this, uh, share it, tell people you want to be, uh, you want to be taught, you want to hear some things, need something to shift and change your life, so share it, uh, and and all that good stuff, and um, tell them to come join us on here tonight, so let's pray, Father God, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Father, we give you honor and glory and praise, we bless your holy and awesome name, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and Father, we exalt you, We magnify you. We bless your name. We thank you for life, health, and for strength. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for the hand of the Lord that's always upon us. Thank you for keeping us and guiding us and directing us. Thank you, Lord, for always being that refuge, that embassy, that safe tower. Thank you, Lord, that your blood covers us and your love keeps us. So, Father, I do not come before these great people as apostle law. But as a servant of the Most High God, in the name of I am, Lord God Almighty, I am speak, I am heal, I am deliver, I am set us free. I declare miracles, signs, and wonders shall be performed now in the name of Jesus. I declare it, I decree it, and it is so, and so it is. In Jesus Christ's name that we bring. Amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah. Well, we bless the name of the Lord for you. I'm going to kind of start this past weekend. We had Resurrection Sunday, phenomenal time phenomenal uh, time with the Lord and with one another. I'm believing God would coming out of that time of Passover, uh, that feast of Passover, that window, that Kairos moment, that feast time, that time of holy convocation where we meet the Lord where in the place that he chooses. And, and we didn't come before the Lord empty handed. We didn't just come with our resources. We came with our hearts. We came with our praise. We, we came with our love and our devotion and faithfulness unto the Lord. And so coming out of that pocket, coming out of that, that, that moment, this, that timing, that when we come out of that, we don't leave that behind. It's, it's going through that changes how we now go through the next things because God never sends you through an actual thing to leave you the same way you go through it so that when you come out of it, you're not the same. You're not the same person. When you come out of it, 
you're going forward with this in with this impartation upon you with this whole thing on you so prior to the the uh, feast of passover in the book of exodus they are crying out to the lord they're slaves they've been crying out to the lord crying out for them to be saved this has been going on for over 400 years well when they pray and the lord sends moses to be his representation as a deliverer to bring them out uh, so that he might take them in. He sends them in to bring them out. They do the Passover meal in, in, in uh, Exodus 12. They go through all of that. They put the blood on the doors and the lentils. The, the, the death angel, the destroyer crosses, um, passes over, uh, but yet the spirit of the Lord hovers over to protect us and to, because of the blood, we are identified we are identified as his own. And the power of that, that even those that believed and did not believe could run into the house of those that did believe and be saved, even though they didn't necessarily have a faith with God or didn't have a uh, any kind of belief system for God, but because they at least believed <laughs> that <laughs> what the people were saying, you might wanna be over here. They came running into the house and they were covered under the blood even though they had not met the Lord yet, had not come into a place of relationship, had not spent any time worshiping or didn't even know who he was. And so when they go through that and then they, the Bible tells them to eat their meal, eat it in haste, be prepared. We're about to go. Things are moving. Things are shifting very fast. We're in a window. We're in a moment. We're in a Kairos moment. The Lord has moved some things. He's changing the calendar. He gives them a new beginning. He says the new year begins right here today. Forget the past. Today's a new beginning. So a lot is happening in a few days. And so um, they go through, they go to the Egyptians. They ask for the gold, the silver. They end up plundering Egypt and then plundering. Then they go to the Red Sea. Their backs are against the wall. They start to cry out. Moses, God tells Moses, do not cry out. I'll tell them, do not cry. The people to cry to me, but turn and go forward. And then when he goes, he tells them to stretch out a staff. He steps, stretches out a staff. The sea, the Red Sea opens up and they, they cross over. They begin to cross over on dry ground. Even though Satan, uh, Satan, <laughs> even though the enemies and the Pharaoh are coming after them, the Lord puts a pillar a fire and, and guards it until they're going over. You got to remember there's over, it's close to anywhere from 800,000 to over a million people being delivered at one time. Side note. So you don't have to wait in line for God to deliver you based on your alphabet. Based on this situation, a whole nation was being delivered and over, over at one time in, in, and on dry ground. So that the Lord keeps the enemy back. And then when they get ready to cross over, right when the last person gets over, the Lord allows the enemy to come in behind um, the the Hebrews, and then the walls come, the walls of water come down on them, and they drown them, and the enemies begin to wash up on the shore, and and they begin a new life. So was, well, I say all of that because all of that that went on was not just okay, cool, thank you. We're done. It was to not only to deliver, but was but it was also to bring an actual change. Their change, believe it or not, is symbolic. One of the part of change is that when they go through the Red Sea, 
That is a symbolic gesture of baptism because they are in the water and surrounded by the water, even though they're not being touched by the water. So they are actually being baptized <laughs> as they went down. This is their death and they have to cross over. And then there's a resurrection on the other side. When they come, when they go down and go through the Red Sea, even though they're surrounded by water, they are actually going through a baptism of leaving the old and coming into the new. The Red Sea is a baptism. And so when they go through water on both sides, but they're going through on dry land, when they come up, the waters come down on their enemies and their enemies, <clears throat> excuse me, their enemies are washed up on the shore. I'm saying all of that because when the Lord brings you through something, when you have to deal with something, when you there's something uh, uh, that has uh, a chapter in your life that you're coming through, the goal is to not only just get you through the chapter, it is to change you in the chapter so that what you're going through, you're, you're not going to be the same on the other side of the chapter. So they come out, they before Passover, they are slaves. And just a few days, they are free men and women. I want you to catch that. And prosperous, because not only do they come out with their stuff, they come out with Egypt's stuff. So they come out and the Bible says they plunder. So the Lord takes and breaks Egypt's economy in order to give his people an economy in order for them to prosper, to build, and to uh, begin creating resources for themselves and things of that nature. And so when you when you cry out to the Lord, you're in a particular position. You're in a particular place. When the Lord answers you, the goal is not just to snatch you out of the place, but to help, help use the place to bring you into a new place and, and, and use that as a way to change you, transform you, identify you, clarify your life, give you clearer definition, giving you resources coming out that you didn't have going in, giving you resources uh, of, of, of that can prepare you for what's next so that you don't return to the same place. So I, I'm going somewhere. So I, I'm, I'm just trying to build something up because I'm still dealing with uh, the experience of resurrection. Uh, the the, the resurrect yeah the experience of resurrection I talked about it on Sunday talked about it on part one and things of the nature of that nature about the experience of the resurrection so I say all of that because the the Passover the feast of Passover these last few days is not just something of celebration it is it is a place of it is a, a moment of impartation of revelation of illumination is a place of strength. It is a place of, 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 of being in his presence. It's also a place of return. Things are returned. Uh, there's a place of compensation. There's a place of supernatural growth, supernatural acceleration. There are things that happen in the feast times and during those appointed times that do not have to, are not submitted to natural laws. The kingdom laws are always above natural laws. Spiritual laws always surpass natural laws. Supernatural spiritual laws do not are, are not confined to time, space, and matter and gravity. They're not they're not confined. Spiritual laws are not confined to to the the metamorphosis of our environment or or how the photosynthesis of things works in our environment. It's not it's not 
tied to that. This, that's why they came over on dry ground, even though they the water just moved from it, which means super. when God moves supernaturally and he begins to move in his laws for his people, then the nature, the natural laws have to submit to the spiritual laws of God. So the ground knows that in the natural, it's supposed to be wet because the water has touched it. But the ground also knows that when God does a thing, God speaks a thing and God wants a thing and, and, and commands a thing, then the ground is now open to now be in whatever condition necessary to comply to what God has commanded. I want you to catch that. So anytime you're dealing with nature, nature hears something and then says, okay, God, what do you say? God will say, I want them to cross over. I need the waters to move and I need the ground to be dry. So then gravity has to now shift and all of the laws of nature now shift to give God what he says. Because the, the, the everything that has breath is the praise of the Lord. So everything that has breath is not just people, but the earth itself breathes. Anything that God has prepared has breath. Even rocks have breath. I want you to catch this. It's been, it's been told and, and, and studied that everything that's of nature has something called sound particles that you can, that are, are ingrained in, in, in the DNA uh, or the structure or the chemistry of anything that's been made. So there's, that's why sometimes you can, you can walk in the forest and sound like, I feel like the trees are talking. They can absorb sound, but they can also release sound. Anything that's in the earth can absorb sound and also release sound. So when Jesus says, and the rocks will cry out, he's not lying. He's not just, that's not figurative. The rocks would cry out because they have been designed to absorb a sound, but also to release a sound because of who created them. God created everything to glorify him. So everything that's been created in Genesis, including us, are designed to glorify God. So because the, the world, the earth rather, and all its natural resources knows that who created them, they know that when God speaks, they are obligated to respond to the way that God speaks that's beyond our logic. So to see the Red Sea open does not make sense to our five senses, but according to spiritual law and according to how they've been created, they respond not to not to make us feel not for our understanding, but they respond for God's glory. I want you to catch that. Natural things respond for God's glory, not for our understanding. I'm, I'm, I'm parked here for a moment because I want us to begin to understand that we have to begin. What God does and says something, everything has to respond to God. His voice. The, the Bible says tells about how to how the how we hearken to the word of the Lord. When God speaks, that's not just prophecy, declarations, and decrees. Those are spiritual laws that are spoken into his creation. His creation first came out of his breath and his thoughts. So their first obligation 
is to respond to God. And then when they respond to God, they do things that go beyond the comprehension of man. Because we don't, there's no, we're like, wait a minute, that's not supposed to happen. But the Red Sea says, well, according to your comprehension, that's not supposed to happen. But based on the word of God, all things are possible. It can happen because when God speaks, we have the power to now adjust our natural move, our natural habitat, our our natural uh, characteristics, and we shift them to respond to God. That's why when God is doing things in your life and favoring you, nothing makes sense. He don't make sense because when God spoke it, the earth has already prepared. The Bible talks about how the earth shall yield its increase, which means when I do what I'm called to do, the earth lines up to my obedience according to the word of God, because the earth is already prepared to bless me. The earth is already prepared to to honor me, to favor me, to give me the resources that I need. The earth is already ready because God already spoke it, because God already prepared us. And then, you know, everything is made from the end to the beginning and, and is already everything's done. And then he walks us back and then goes and then and then lets us live through the process of what he spoke. So if God has spoken about us before time, before time, then that means the earth, time, matter, gravity, natural laws, the animals, everything, whatever the case is, is already in preparation for our destiny. It's already in preparation for us to be who we've been called to be. That's why you're starting to see things happen and and you're trying to limit yourself. You're still trying to be minimum because you're trying to fit and what you can comprehend, but the earth is crying out for the sons of God because they're saying you're so much more and we are ready to see you be more, but you refuse to be more. So the earth is violently shaking, hoping we would have a desire to be more according to what God said. And we are fighting God and telling God because my mama is not this and I didn't have a daddy and we have all of this stuff. And God says, but let me tell you about Nehemiah. He says, I, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, I ordained you, I sanctified you, made you a prophet to the nations. I, you know, I spoke this, I spoke this. And, and then when Nehemiah wants to speak, He says, don't tell me you're a youth. I don't want to hear your understanding. I need you to grasp what I said. And because I've said it, the whole world, the whole earth rather, is in preparation for your destiny. Because when I spoke about you, the whole universe heard it. So the universe is sitting on tiptoes waiting on you to prophesy. Regardless of your youth, regardless of whether you have a father or not, the whole universe is waiting on tiptoes for your response and your yes to God and his word and his will for your life. I wasn't trying to be all of that, but I I just want (laughs) to, that's not even on the teaching tonight. I'm just, whatever the Lord's given me. And so we've got this thing 
where we are, we, we, we still in that minimum thinking and, and we're still missing what God is saying. And so the Lord, when he brings them out, even though they are free mind, uh, uh, free men, they're not free minded. I want you to catch that. They are free men, but they're not free minded. They are free men because they're out of bondage, but they're not free minded. So they're still struggling. So when they get to, I think it's Exodus 15 or 16, and it talks about the, the brook, the river of Marah, which is where they had to deal with bitter uh, and the Lord has to turn things and make it sweet so that they can taste sweet. Even though they're tasting something, they still have to work through that they are free in the natural, but they're not free in the emotional or the mental or the, the spiritual, but yet they are free in the natural. Don't ever settle for just being free in the natural. Be, don't stop until you are free mentally, free spiritually, free emotionally, free socially, free psychologically, free, uh, um, um, I'm missing one, but make sure you don't just stop at your freedom be, because you don't do it no more. Just because you don't do it, don't mean you don't think it or you don't feel it, <laughs> you know, or you don't dream it. So you want your freedom to hit every formation of man of who you are. You want it to hit everywhere. I don't want to just be brought out of a situation. I want the situation to be brought out of me. Catch that. I want you to catch that. I don't want to just be brought out of a situation. I want the situation to be brought out of me. And then God replaced that situation with something far greater. I want something more. I don't want to just say, Lord, who thank you. No, Lord, don't just get me out the situation. Get the situation out of me. Because if I'm not careful, I'll end up in the same situation, but it'll be a different face because I'm not truly free from the memory, from the mental, from the emotional, from the psychological uh, areas and in, in the intellectual aspects of my life. I'm free. I'm a free man. I crossed over on dry ground, but my mind is still back. It's still behind me. So I need the Lord to deliver the situation, uh, deliver me out of the situation, but deliver the situation out of me, but then replace it with something of far greater, superior uh, uh, quality so that I don't keep repeating the same thing. And, and, and I'm, I'm quoting scriptures, but, I, it, but, but watch this. How do you quote your emotions? You're quoting scriptures, but how do you quote your emotions? So you got to be careful that, yeah, you may be quoting scriptures, but is that actually your faith or are you trying to deflect that you're struggling right now and you're hoping that the, 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 if I keep saying the scriptures over and over, if I keep saying the scriptures over and over again, that then I won't feel what I'm feeling right now. And yes, that works. But the Bible talks about if we turn, if we flee sexual temptation, if we turn from it, then the enemy will flee from us, which means there has to be a shifting away. You can't sit there and play with what has played with you. I want you to catch that. You can't keep playing with what has been playing with you, hoping that you control the game now. You don't ever control the game. You have to get out the game. 
<laughs> That's why if you ever see some of these these gangster movies when they want to get, they don't want to just stop doing stuff. They want to get out the game, but the game don't want to release them out the game. So there's a problem that they have. They try to kill them. And sometimes they do get killed in, in, in some of these movies, but because they don't want to just say, I don't do that no more. They want to remove themselves out of the entire environment because the environment is a game that can lure them back into play because that's all they know. So sometimes the enemy is that familiar spirit that plays with you based on what you know to get you to come back into something that God has set you free from. So you can't just move your body. You got to move your mind. You got to move your spirit. You got to move your soul. You got to move your emotions. You got to move your thoughts. You got to shift you got to flee. You got to disconnect. You have to repent. You have to then now, what I say, you have to now replace it with something greater. Got to replace it with something greater because it's hard to manage. It's hard to manage your life the way it is. You need something else because too much ma uh, trying to manage memories. It is very difficult to manage memories. Let me say it again. It is difficult to manage memories. To some degree, we sometimes need to get rid of some of these memories. We need to we need to take that that hard that um chip out and delete some photos. Make room for other things. We're trying to add more pictures, but the old pictures are still on that chip on that drive. And, you're, and the computer's clearly telling you, you don't have any more room. Matter of fact, it warns you when you're running out of space. But we don't want to dump the stuff because some reason, we think all these pictures that we have not looked at in years are uh, are necessary and, and are essential to our lives. And as soon, watch this, as soon as you get ready to get rid of a thing, that's when the thing says, why would you want to get rid of me? And you and you need to say, but I haven't even dealt with you. I don't even I don't even look at you. But it, but you might need me. So the enemy tricks you into spiritual and emotional and hoarding of memories. You begin to hoard memories. You begin to hoard uh, all these things, and you just won't let it go. You won't delete. You won't check the box and say, put these in the trash and then go to the trash and empty that forever. See, sometimes it's not enough to just get on the computer. You can put it someplace, but then you got to go to another place to make sure that that place is empty too, because that's still in your computer. It's still in your system, even though you have relocated it. You can have things in your life that you have moved out of here, but they're still here in the heart. You relocated them in, in this in that trash bin, but you, I got my computer set up to say, listen, get rid of my stuff automatically. I don't want nothing hanging around because in another way, it'll still take up space, but just on a different drive on your system. And it's hidden and you don't think nothing of it because you thought you got rid of it. So you have to not, uh, I hope this is helping somebody. You have to get to a place that even when the Lord delivers you, when the Lord pulls you out of a thing, now Lord, show me what I need to delete and then show me where it is also secondary so then I can delete that too so that it's no longer connected. And that, watch this, when I go back to click on that picture, you want it, you want it to say this, 
this file cannot be found. That's when you know you've won. That's the power of deliverance. That is the power of knowing that the Lord has, has covered you and you're operating in resurrection power so that when the enemy goes to click on something, there should be something that pops up and says, file cannot be found. That, no, it is gone. There's no traces. There's no, uh, uh, there's nothing, no number. There's no, it's not in the hard drive. It's not in the cloud. It is nowhere. It cannot be found. We must just not just move it out of our daily thinking. We must move it out of the conscious and the subconscious mind and be able to flush it out and then make sure that it's deleted so that it can't be used as a familiarity and we can go back to it or the enemy can come back and say, oh, I know how to get you. And it starts clicking on stuff and you got to get to a place like you can keep clicking, but the file can't be found. That's not, that's no longer there. That's gone. I don't even know what you're talking about. So the Bible talks about as far as the east from the west, the Lord gets rid of our sin. He forgets, he deletes, and even empties out his trash bin to make sure that even he has no remembrance of what we've done once we've repented and forgiven. The enemy tricks us into thinking that we should hoard things just in case this happens again. Watch this. I can forgive and I also have learned to forget. Now, what I don't forget, I don't, watch this, I forget how it troubled me, but I don't forget who you are and how you tried to cause trouble. So now I now deal with you a little differently, but I don't deal with you differently out of fear. I deal with you differently out of health. I now know what you're bringing or trying to bring. So I've forgotten that stuff. I've let that go and made room for better things. But I also have a firewall in my system that protects me from viruses. <laughs> yes, Lord. And I got something in my system that protects me if it lets, watch this. There's something that I plug up. I got plugged up to my computer to do the broadcast. When I plug it up, it says, do you trust? Do you trust this that's being plugged up? And I got to look down at it and say, okay, I trust it. Watch this. Your body, your spirit is designed to give you alarms to ask you, do you trust what's trying to connect to you right now? Do you trust this software? Do you trust this email? It has not been scanned for viruses, but do you trust what you're about to open? Do you know that person enough that you would trust what they send you? Which means if your computer has all of these systems in place, what much, how much more do we have in the power of the Holy Spirit called discernment, called wisdom, called knowledge, called understanding? We are full of systems that are supposed to go off and say, hey, do you trust that? Do, do you know where that comes from? There is something trying to hack your system. There's somebody trying to hack your information. There's someone trying to hack your spirit. There's somebody trying to hack your mind. Someone is trying to hack your emotions. We're telling you that you're under attack. Do this here. Shut that off. Get rid of that software. Delete this immediately. Reboot your computer. It gives us instructions. But for some reason, we, watch this, will follow the instructions of a computer more than we will follow the instructions of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the ultimate software. He is the ultimate programmer. He is the ultimate 
a, a computer, CPU, laptop. He's the ultimate. He tells us constantly, be aware. You can still love them, but be, be, be aware. You can be kind, but don't be stupid. You, you know, make sure, be unconditional in your love, but make sure you guard your heart. Make sure you try the spirit by the spirit. You, you know, you don't have to be mean. You ain't got to walk by nobody and not speak. Always be kind. Always be cordial. However, be discerning, you know, pay attention and keep it moving in the name of Jesus. So we, we've got to, <laughs> we have to realize that this is, uh, God has already equipped us to pick up on, to pick up on what is trying to invade us and what's trying to hinder us. Listen, this has, this is not what I want to teach. This is, I got something completely different on here about what I'm, <laughs> what I'm teaching tonight. So I really hope that this is helping you. I'm, I'm really trying to get someplace and this is, you know, giving me, but I, this is what the Lord has just pointed out. I want us to, and all of this, watch this, all of this ties to really what I'm talking about, about resurrection. He just gave it to me another way. Watch this. We, 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 we got to, we got to allow the Holy Spirit to do diagnostic tech checks within us to show us where our programming may be off, where the softwares are, where the memory is struggling, where you're running out of space and you got to get rid of some things, or you got to get an eternal heart, external hard drive. You got to do something different. We must learn how to pay attention to the Holy Spirit when he tells us in order to preserve your computer, your heart, your spirit, your mind, you need to do some things differently. You need to get rid of this. You need to upgrade that. You need to delete this. You need. We need to pay attention and stop being spiritual hoarders, holding on to Egypt while we're going while we're headed to Canaan, headed to the promise, but with all of these issues behind us that we keep hoarding. And as soon as watch this, as soon as Moses didn't do something that he, they thought he should do, or something, a problem came up. The first thing always came out their mouth was Egypt. Well, in Egypt, well, you know, when we was in Egypt, if we'd have just stayed in Egypt, they are hoarding Egypt, even though they've just had this whole moment in this small period of time. They're hoarding Egypt in their mind, even though they're headed to a land of milk and honey, 11 days away, which turns into 40 years because they could not let go of Egypt. They couldn't delete the photos. They wouldn't upgrade the software. They wouldn't pay attention to the viruses. They let anything plug up to their memory. Their memory was so full of 400 plus years that it was it. what was only 11 days away of journey turns out into a 40 year old circle that they wandered the desert for 40 years, a generation. They walked around in a circle for 40 years. God, knowing their mind, knowing that they're struggling, but the Bible says that in Psalms that he made sure that their clothes didn't wear out. He made sure that their feet didn't swell. He made sure that their shoes didn't wear off and, and you know break down. And I can't remember what Psalms that is when he talks about those things, how he made sure they were taken care of because the Lord was limited. He couldn't do no more than they were willing to believe and to think. So he says, well, at least the least I can do is make sure your, your clothes don't fade. 
The least I can do is make sure your feet are comfortable as you wander for 40 years. I want you to catch that. Even the Lord couldn't take them where they needed to go. They minimize God's impact even after he just did all of this. And so he says, well, the least, all I can do is pay your rent because you don't believe me for nothing else. And because you're my covenant, I'm in covenant with you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I will do that for you. I'll make sure you're good, but you're going to wander because you won't let me help you with your memories and you won't help. You won't let me in to disturb and disrupt that hoarding spirit that you keep holding on to stuff. So I'm this universal creating God. And right now, all I'm going to do now is give you, give you some, some doctor shows for your feet and make sure your clothes don't wear out and make sure you have food because you've minimized me to that because of your memories. I want you to catch that. Our memories minimize the impact that God has in our lives. Our memories, those negative memories, impact our lives with God. They keep us from believing. They keep us from having high expectation. Watch this. I was talking to someone and we're, we're working on this stuff with the building. And the first, the first thing everyone started giving, everyone's giving, I said, I'm concerned about the second part. And they said, why are you concerned about the second phase? Everything's going off great. I said, I believe it will, but here's what I'm concerned. I'm concerned that their faith and their giving, rather their, their giving was emotional and not faith. So now God says, I want you to expand your faith and I want you to expand your expectations for more. And I'm going to do more. But what happens if what you did came because you had something extra comfortable, but it really didn't come out of faith? And so now God said, hey, I'm ready to do something. It's going to just, just, just increase your faith, which means you should have been using your faith to begin with. But if you haven't used your faith, he's sitting and saying, wait a minute, y'all expand because there's another window coming. Every time y'all do this, there's a whole nother window opening up and I'm going to do great things. But what happens if there's some amongst us that really gave because they just had some extra, but really didn't sow into anything because they didn't believe. So it can be an emotional giving, not faith giving, which means it's not a sacrifice. So then what happens when God got, he, he saw what he saw, like what he saw, and said, give me more of that. And you're like, I don't know how to give that because that's not where I gave it from. I gave it because my stimulus check came in. My tax return came in. I had a little extra, but I didn't do it out of there. So now he says, come on. I want to do more with you. I like that. What do you do when God wants more from you? But when you started with God, it wasn't as truthful as you thought. Some somebody, <laughs> somebody, somebody get help me because sometimes we 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 got it. Yeah, I'm good. I got this over here. Okay, I can do that because I got this over here. I'm good over here. Yeah, I can do that right there. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm in. I'm in because I got that. What happens when God says, "Don't give me from that. Give me from that." I want you to give. Do it from there. 
I, I don't know how to, because then the memories kick in. Well, you know, you know, you, you let me tell you what memories do. Memories say, listen, you know, last time you lost your car and, and, and you did this. And, and, and last time that, you know, so-and-so didn't happen and they didn't do this. And, and this thing come through like they said it was. And last time what grips us and what kills our fear or kills our faith is, is, is not so much negative talking externally. It is the negative talking internally that comes from our memories, that comes from past that we not have been delivered from nor deleted of. And and when we don't when we don't do that, and the Lord says, "Come on here, let's believe." Without faith, it's impossible to please me. And those that believe must believe must know that I am, and that come before me, and I am a reward of those who diligently seek me. Come on, let's get some of this faith. Come on, I like what's happening here at the Embassy Church. Let's keep growing. Let's keep building. We're gonna do this thing debt free. I'm declaring that I heard it. I heard the, the apostles' prayer. I'm ready to respond, and I just need the people's faith to elevate. And, and their expectations to go higher, and then I'm going to do greater, and 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 then it's like, oh, oh, we got to do that again. We well, that's when the memories catch. That's when the memories come up, and then the memories begin to create something called anxiety, fear, retreat. Egypt kicks in. Watch this. Egypt kicks in. And tells them, and they go against Moses, even though God just sent them out of, out of Egypt with pockets full of money. I want you to catch that. They leave out of Egypt with gold, with silver, with all kind of stuff. But watch this. The memories still can block you from seeing how God has constantly provided. Even blessed you during slavery because they lived in Goshen. So they lived in the promised land. They were all, rather not the promised land. They were already protected and God always kept them in Goshen from Joseph. Joseph is the one that established them in Goshen with 75 people. That was his family to protect the bloodline, the posterity. What the enemy went for evil, God meant for my good to, to protect and save the posterity of my family to make sure the bloodline kept going. So Goshen is the place where they are established and they prosper and they succeed until Egypt is invaded and all that kind of stuff. And a Pharaoh race is, uh, comes up that don't know God. He don't know nothing about Joseph in none of these testimonies. So he imprisons them. And then those Pharaohs eventually want to kill them all because they have outnumbered them. Now watch this. How can you outnumber your oppressor, but yet don't have the power to overthrow them? I want you to catch that. The enemy knows that you are greater. You are stronger and you are bigger. So he knows it and says it, but why don't you have the power to overthrow him or overthrow this stuff? Because the memories of defeat, the memories of the past, the memories of failure, the memories of disappointment, the memories of rejection, the memories of loneliness, the memories of abandonment, the memories of just disconnection, the memories of betrayal, the memories, the memories of fatherlessness, the memories of motherlessness, the memories of being an orphan, the memories of being a widow, the memories, the memories, the memories, the memories, the memories. Even though you're big in stature, you're low in thinking and the enemy sees you still as a fear. But the goal is I got to kill you 
while you're still thinking low. The enemy attacks you to reinforce low thinking. He, he, he will never come after you when you are really roaring because he knows you're out of his realm of reach. The goal of the enemy is to always take you out when you're thinking, when your memories of the past, you have not been delivered and they have not been deleted. So then when Moses comes to cast vision and to get y'all out in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord, I am, you leave physically, but you don't leave mentally. You don't leave emotionally, even though God's blessed you financially, even though the Lord has taken care of you, even the Lord has uh, 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 just done all this stuff that, that you hear you are greater, bigger, smarter. And I'm going to tell you something, you can get a hundred degrees, you can get 10 MBAs, you can get PhDs, but watch this. If you're getting them to prove yourself to other people, there, there'll never be any power to you. But if you're using them to prove your strength, <laughs> you, you get that to prove your strength that I am who God says that I am. And I'm going to use this for my, for my strength to help me get out of where I am, not to prove to you who I am because I know who I am. That's why I got it in the first place. So don't let your memories trick you into thinking you got to waste your time trying to prove yourself when really you need to learn how to accept yourself and to begin to grow in yourself and allow your mind to be bigger than the oppressor. And the, and, and the oppressor is saying they have outnumbered us. They have outgrown us. Kill them. Your enemy is sitting there looking at you saying, you are bigger than me. You have outgrown me, but you haven't learned how to outthink me because you still keep thinking low. Kill her. Kill him. Kill them. Take that church out. Take that family out. Take that business out. Take them out. Even though they're greater than us, they're bigger than us, but their thinking is still low. They don't believe. They have not deleted the memories. They're hoarding them. They're waiting on the next person to hurt them. They won't step out on faith. They're afraid to take a risk. They're afraid to sow. They're afraid to tithe. They're afraid to fellowship. They're afraid to believe. Watch this. The enemy says coronavirus is nothing compared to the fear virus that I have gripped many with. Corona just exposed how deeply fearful many people are. There's nothing wrong with taking precautions. There's nothing wrong with being wise. There's nothing wrong with social distancing. I'm not talking about that. But when it has gripped you <clears throat> to the point that you can't live and you are so afraid that you it has gotten you, he says, oh, I, I'm doing more damage than Corona could have ever done. I'm using fear and anxiety. I'm using your memories against you. I'll let you come out of Egypt, but I won't let Egypt come out of you. I won't even let you move into what God has ordained. I'm, a matter of fact, I don't have to stop you. Your fear has stopped you. Their fear, their anxiety, and their inability to release Egypt kept them out of the promise. And what kept Moses out of the promise is that he was frustrated. So frustrated 
that he disobeyed God because the people pushed him to that place. But he also had to, he also lost control because of the people. As a leader, you can't let the people push you to a place where you lose control, even though they're frustrating the heaven out of you, even though they're frustrating you and don't want to believe, don't want to do this, don't want to think differently, always negative, always mean, always nasty, can't all this gospel and all these anointings, and we still stuck here at people not speaking to one another. It's, it's enough to drive you crazy to start hitting a rock and pounding it. But as a leader, and I'm speaking, if there are any other leaders on here, don't let the people's memories drive you to a place of disqualification. You can only take people as far as they believe they want to go. You can only take people as far as they're expecting to go. You can only take people as, as deep as they're dreaming to go. You can never go beyond the capacity of a man's faith, of a man's expectation, of their desire. If they don't desire it, you cannot take them to a place that they don't desire to go. Some people just want trinkets. They want the t-shirts, some keychains, and some stuff, but they don't want to actually go. There's, there's people that want to go to Disney World, but don't want to ride nothing. They just want to kind of see, but they don't want to participate. Don't let that drive you to a place of disqualification. I'm talking, I don't know if there's a pastor or somebody or leader on here. If you're on here, just say amen. Uh, uh, but I'm telling you, because I can talk to you from experience, we, you cannot take people to a place they don't want to go, don't see why they need to go, complain about going, have no desire to go, uh, refuse to let go of where they come from. And in your mind, you're thinking where you're taking them is far greater than where they've been. But you also got to be mindful, people, you don't know how people think and you don't know what they see as excellence and the best for them. And you have to learn to let people have what they perceive is the best for them. And it's hard to do this, but it is necessary to not just leave. You don't so much have to leave people behind. You sometimes just need to keep walking. Because it's not that you left them behind, it's that they stopped walking and you kept going. So you didn't leave them behind. They made a decision to stop walking, but you must make a decision to keep going. So when the people made a decision in Numbers 13 that they were grasshoppers in their sight and in ours, but Joshua and Caleb tore and said, and Caleb got up and said, we are well able. We can overcome. We can take this. The Lord is with us. They are our bread. We got this. The people at that moment said, we're, we're done. We're not going any further. Joshua and Caleb made a decision to keep going. And that's why the Lord shows up when they were about to stone Moses and Joshua and Caleb. He shows up in the tabernacle and he says, how long will they keep rejecting me? How long after all this I've done, how long? And so the Lord himself got frustrated until Moses says, listen, if you don't take them in, the word's going to spread and you know how you like glory and you know how you like your name to be known. So if you don't take us in, then it's not going to look good for you. And he changed his mind. 
and he lets those 20 and under go over. Joshua and Caleb gets to go. Moses has to stay. And those people have to die in the, in the, in the wilderness. Now, here's the powerful part. Here's even more powerful. The next chapter over or chapter 14 or 15, maybe 16 of Numbers, Korah and all these guys revolt against Moses again. And they have a desire to take him out. <laughs> they, The Lord took, Moses said, don't go and fight those people. The Lord's not with us. He's not with you. They go anyway. Some of them get killed. They get they have to retreat. Then they try to re, then they want to revolt against Moses. And then the, the ground has to open up. See, so there's some people, and sad to say, when Jesus says, the poor you will have with you always, it's not just poor in money. It's not poor that they're homeless. It is the thinking that people like, have locked onto that keeps them from progressing positively forward. Even after God shows up himself, they still decide to revolt against God's man. That shows you there's some something psychotic, something derelict mentally. There's some major, major issues. That lets you know how powerful undeleted and, and undelivered memories do they rot the mind, the thought process, the way you process things, the way you come into comprehension? It rots common sense. It destroys that because the memories dominate their perception. So their perception will never line up to what God has ordained because they refuse to be delivered from the memories. The Bible says that Joshua has a different spirit because he has followed me fully. We all know about Joshua and Caleb has a different spirit. And, and we know about Joshua staying in the tabernacle with Moses and slept in there and stood by Moses. So they made a decision to be in the right position for their thinking to change, to follow God fully and to stay close to their leader so that their minds could evolve. They kept growing despite their past. They made a decision to delete memories and and, 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 and get those, that hoarding, get rid of it so that Joshua can now lead. And, and, and Caleb was now going to take more mountains. And, and, and Joshua, you read about those two guys. And, you know, and, and, and so when you begin to think about that, and they still kept disobeying God after that, that's, that's a direct sign. There's some mental illness. There's some spiritual illness. There's some unresolved stuff. There's some flesh at its highest height. And sometimes you have to, you got to make a decision. I'm out. You don't have to leave behind people. You keep going and they'll stop walking. And you have to be okay when people have made a decision. I have stopped walking with you. Because the Bible is clear. How can two walk together? Unless there's an agreement. The Bible also talks about, and I think in Leviticus or Deuteronomy, making sure that the donkey and the ox are not yoked together. Not they, Don't put them together. You're trying to do something. You're an ox 
but you got a donkey yoked to you. I can't get in that tonight. For the sake of time, I'm going to let that go. But you got to be careful that we don't have your ox, apostolic people, a plower, a creator of roads, a creator of revenue, a creator of wealth. You're an ox. You tread out. You're patient. You're quiet. But you dig and you grind and you grit. Here is this donkey who is stubborn, who is a beast of burden, who's called considered a dirty animal, who is uh, prideful, does not have the same size, does not have the same thinking, is not wired like you, is not built like you, and you're trying to build with a jackass. Yeah, I said it. Uh, the ox is not supposed to be in plow in agreement with the donkey, the jackass. It doesn't work. And part of the problem that why we can't grow and we don't believe and we don't have no faith and we can't really walk in resurrection power because we, we're ox people still trying to hang on to jackass mentalities and people around us who got donkey faith. They don't want to do nothing. They don't believe nothing. But ox people got a different grind. They got a faith in them that keeps plowing. They keep plowing. They keep moving. They keep building. They don't say nothing, but they got incredible strength. They know how to work together with other oxen. They get the job done. And that's why a lot of us do not see the power of God in our lives. I probably teach about this Sunday, what I was going to talk about, because the goal was to get you to understand that the resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a life-changing experience. And, and, and what I was trying to help you understand, and the reason I brought all, went all the way back to Moses and stuff, because the goal was that the Lord brought them out that he might take them in. He didn't just take them through an event. That, was, that actually was an experience that was supposed to affect their lives. If you ever go back and if you define an, an event as a thing that happens, especially one of importance, it's an occurrence. It happened. But an experience is knowledge or skill that is obtained from doing, seeing, or feeling things or something that happens which has effect on you. So just I'll do this in closing. In, 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 in John 11, and, and when Jesus talks about, when they talked about, um, Lazarus died and Lazarus was dead um, and, and he came and all that kind of stuff and, and said Lord had you been here and he says uh, I am the resurrection and the life you know do you believe that and, and he goes on I'm, I'm paraphrasing I'm saying that because we treat the resurrection as an event as a historical event and we talk about it one time a year but really is designed to be an experience that has affected our lives that we talk about it all the time. The, we talk about the cross, but we must talk about the tomb. I brought all that stuff up about Moses because when he brought them out, that was a major event, but they were supposed to have an experience that would affect their lives. And when I say you have to change, once you get rid of those memories and those things, you have to now replace it with something of greater quality. The cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is of greater quality because I think it's in Romans. You can look this up, Romans 
um, five and six and ten. It talks about that by death, you know, we 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 know Jesus Christ. We know the Lord, and and we died with Him, but also in life, we're raised up with Him. Which He's telling us the cross and the resurrection tomb, the, the empty tomb, are not just experience events. They're not just events. They are actually life changing historical experiences that we should talk about and testify about on a daily basis. You can talk about the resurrection and the cross every day of your life and you would still never fully tell the whole story because it's supposed to be what has greatly affected your life that has now changed your memories and has now broken all of that 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 hoarding because I've replaced it because watch this. I, he took all of my sin and he nailed it to the cross. All of those memories, all those things that have been renting up room in my head all these years, he has nailed that to the cross, but now has given me new memories, a new man. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm that new person, that new creation, the new, um, Creature, a creature, <laughs> creature rather, that new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm new. I'm new. I'm I'm new. I'm new for real. I'm new for real. And the only challenge really why some of y'all not not refurbished. See, some of us really have refurbished salvation. We want to be new externally, but we're mostly the same internally. That's why you still mean and you can speak in tongues, and but you're still nasty. But you can be harsh and horrible to people, but you go to church and you're preaching and you're on flyers, but you're a difficult, very horrible person because there, there's the refurbished salvation. I'm saved, but I ain't really saved because I have not died to myself so that I can now allow myself to live in Christ so that my mind can be transformed by the renewing of my mind. This this, this got to change. This has got to change. So the cross, and I, I'm, I didn't get to it tonight. Perhaps I'll get to it on Sunday if the Lord's will. Um, but we have to move the cross and the resurrection from event one time. It occurred. Okay, cool. Historical. But it now has to now move to experience that what happened has in, impacted my life. It has affected me. I don't think the same. I don't live the same. When he got up out that cross, I got up, he got up on that cross, I got up on that cross. When he went in that tomb for them three days and three nights, I went in that tomb for three days and three nights. I had to be processed. I had to go in a place where God could deal with me quietly. And then here I am now. I'm I'm coming out of the empty uh, a resurrected a, a tomb, an empty tomb with resurrection power with a new body. Christ went in one way and came out another way. He he died human, but came out divine. So they couldn't touch him. He says, don't touch me because this body can't be handled by humanity. You can't touch me. Only my father can receive me. So you got to catch that. When you, huh, when you come, when when it's now an experience, you are supposed to come out with a new thinking and a new mindset that you can now say, "Don't touch me. You can't touch me in the 
and with the hands of old. You can't touch me with the hands of sin. You can't touch me with the, with the stuff I used to do. My body is changed. I'm not the, the person that died on the cross is one thing, is one person. The person that's in the tomb is another person. But the one that came out on the other side of the Red Sea after this baptism, the one that comes out on the other side is not the same as the one who went in. That's the power of the resurrection. The resurrection is when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, which means the resurrection and the life are not events. They're not events that he says, I am, which means it's constant. I am resurrection and I am the life, not I will be or I can be or, you know, whatever it's, it's, you have to, you have to think differently. I am different. I am transformed. I am renewed. My mind is different. I have deleted memories and pictures from the past. I am not gripped by fear and anxiety. I am resurrection and I am the life, the life of Christ, which crushed the head of death. That even I As I live, I die. And as I die, I live. As I live, watch this now, I'm living so that more of me dies, so that as I die, more of him lives. So my goal is to die. Paul says, you must, we must, I must die daily because I must always keep things crucified so that I can always keep myself in a place of resurrection so that the resurrection of Jesus Christ becomes my testimony. Not, I just got a new home and I got a car. Those things are great, but the ultimate testimony is the testimony of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when you get a chance, read 1 Chronicles, 1 Corinthians 15. It talks about if this is the gospel. Matter of fact, I'll read some of it to you and I'm going to close. He says, I will read to you uh, first verse 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preach to you, which also you received and which you stand by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word, which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So watch this. 12 verse says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. 
I, I want you to, and then let me read 20 for you. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits, we're, he's talking about us too. He's talking about those folk, no, he's talking, talking about us. He's the first fruit of the sons of God that are coming forth in glory. I can't get into that right now. For since by man came death by man, also came rather for since by man, little M came death by capital M, man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ, all shall be made alive. And you can go on and read that and talks about how he has victory over, over death and all that, those kind of things. I, I want you to begin to understand. I said all of this and taught all of this because the, 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 the uh, resurrection is not just an event of historical and we watch something on TV around this time. I get that and I appreciate things being shown. I really do, especially in this time and season where society is that we're still showing. We don't show them like we used to get going cable. Back in the day, they used to have a whole week or two. There was Jesus of Nazareth. There was the Ten Commandments. There was the greatest story ever told. And so there were numerous stories being told about the resurrection and the life of Jesus Christ. And, and you know, but the greatest story really that needs to be told about it is through the church. We have to learn how to now testify again, not about just how good God is, but really about the good that God has done. What is that? The resurrection. We have to learn again how to talk about the resurrection, because that, ladies and gentlemen, is what our faith is built on, that he got him up, that the Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, got his son up with glory, and he became the first fruit, so that we could get up in him, so that when he brought us out of bondage of, of, of in Egypt, out of death, out of sin, which that represents, then he baptized us, took us through the Red Sea, brought us up on the other side on dry ground. And, and, and so that we can come out on the mountain and worship with the Lord. And then this, this sends us toward Pentecost, which is going to happen in less than um, less than 50 days. And we're going to celebrate big then too. Uh, but you have to begin to recognize these are not just events for uh, just for you to say, hey, this time we celebrate Easter. You should be testifying about the resurrection of Jesus Christ in August, in December, in February, in June, in November, on your birthday, on your anniversary, because without that empty tune, without that 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 moment of power of glory, with that power that that the spiritual laws just just overcame all natural laws so that his body would not be corrupted because of sin. So his body wouldn't rot. Ah, you got to catch all of that. He conquers sin and conquers death. And then the Lord raises him because his body can't rot. You got to get to a place where you begin to realize that we are not supposed to be rotting, but we're supposed to be living. We're supposed to be in a resurrected life. And we, and the reason we don't, and I'm not talking about church life, 
the church is supposed to testify about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and, and you don't have to be a prophet to do that. Go back and say, Lord, I want, I want my life to, to, to resemble, to show, to be a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and allow the Lord to begin to show you how his resurrection has changed you. You're not supposed to be the same person. You just want to be the same person. I want to catch you that. Yeah. You're not supposed to be the same person. You just want to be the same person. I remember someone told me recently, I was talking about something. They said, well, I just don't want to lose myself. And I said to myself, I want to lose everything about myself. I don't want nothing of me because there's nothing I can offer God. With the Bible talks about us as filthy rags that, that God has to bring us into righteousness. We It's the righteousness of God that makes us who we are. It's, it's He covers us with something and, and up under all of that, we ain't nothing. If God takes his righteousness off of us and removes the justification and the sanctification from our lives, we're nothing. We're absolutely nothing. So the Lord has to cover us in righteousness, his righteousness. So when we stand before the father, he don't see our foolishness. He sees that we've been delivered because we have confessed our sins and we have called on the name of the Lord. And we believe that he is our Lord, our King and our Savior. So then he endows us and covers us in his righteousness so that our nastiness no longer becomes our nature. You can be better than what you are. You just don't want to be. Well, you know, apostle, it's hard. It's hard. You just don't understand. I've been like this all my life. Really? Then be something different. Go to the, then it not, if we can't be changed, then it nullifies like I said, our faith is futile. It means nothing. If I can't be transformed, I can't be, I don't, I don't want to be the same. I want to be different. I want God to transform me that between Sunday to Sunday, you're like, man, apostle change. He's different. And he's, it's, it's because I, I want the resurrection experience to be daily in my life so that I'm reminded I'm not who I used to be. I'm not that person. I can say now, don't touch me because what I, what I am now before you can handle me because I let you handle me. But now I'm in my glorified body. I'm in a new thinking. I have a new mindset. Don't touch me with the past. Don't touch me with these experiences. Don't touch me with this foolishness. Don't touch me with gossip. Don't touch me with this murmuring and complaining. Don't touch me with these lies. Don't touch me with all this foolishness because you don't want to be bothered. So you don't want nobody else. You want misery loves company. Don't touch me with your misery. You, you should, you, anytime a person keeps being messy and they over the age of 30, you're not messy. You're miserable. You want to be miserable. You want to be mean. You want to be nasty. And I'm going to tell you something. And then I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave in this. I, I've got to a place where you got to learn not to care how people treat you because I'm not responsible for that. I'm not responsible, but I am responsible for how I love you. And, and watch this on the cross, on the cross, Jesus Christ is being crucified. Remember I said, there's three things. He teaches us how to die. He teaches us how to forgive. He teaches us how to restore. Watch this now. He's in pain. His guts hanging out, his bloodied mess, thorns, nails, all that stuff. 
Here he is dying. And he forgives everyone. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because I know you're about to come down here and tear the club up. Don't do it. Don't send the angels. We all know this is part of the process. Forgive them. They did not, their minds are still hung up on memories and perceptions. So they did not know how to receive me based on their perception of their condition. They thought I was coming to liberate them from the Romans, but they didn't, they did not know I came to save their souls, including the Romans. They didn't I came to save the souls of the prostitute and the tax collector. So their perception messed them up. They are crucifying me because of their lack thereof of true authentic perception of who I am. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do, which means they lack understanding. They lack knowledge. They had no wisdom. They did not perceive well based on the past of who I was. They knew I was coming in scriptures. So they knew what I was going to be. They just didn't know how I was going to be. And they missed it based on their perception. So father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then the third thing he restores, he restores them and the thief on the cross. But watch this. This is going to help somebody. He's dying. He's in pain. He's in the worst pain. He's bleeding. He forgives. He restores the thief and, and, and brings him into paradise. There's another thief that's mocking him and talking trash to him. Not one time did he acknowledge him. <clears throat> Excuse me. And in the midst of that, he still was kind. I want you to catch that. He still had compassion. He ignored what they were saying. He ignored what they were saying down at the cross. He ignored what the Roman soldiers were saying and still was kind. How is it that Jesus can still be in this condition, still do ministry, and still remain kind? And we can't even be kind to one another in church. And you ain't praying. You ain't preaching. You ain't in pain. You ain't restoring nobody. You ain't drawing nobody to Christ. He does all of this while the man to the left or to the right is hating on him, talking trash. The people are saying, hey, if he all that, let him save himself. All that stuff. The Roman soldiers are gambling and tearing his clothes and all of these kind of things. All this is happening and his mother is weeping. John is holding her. All of this is happening. The Pharisees and Sadducees are mocking him. They think they've done something, but yet he still remains kind. Ladies and gentlemen, when you have a resurrection life and you really are being who God called you to be, you should not be nasty to anybody. If Jesus can be kind and he was in the worst pain that any man could be, and, hold, and carrying our sins on the cross and all of that stuff spiritually and naturally, why you can't be kind? Why? Because you don't want to be. You don't want to be. Don't be kind hoping they be kind back to you. Don't ever go in. I want you to learn how to have low expectations. I'm kind and I love people because I'm supposed to and I want to, not because I hope they do it back to me. God and my wife and my mama have enough love for me that is enough for me. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. So when people don't love you back, know you already got God. 
No, you got to love the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. So that should never stop you from being kind. And even though it will hurt and it will pinch you, but the more you die to yourself, the more you won't even hear what the other thief is saying. The more you won't hear what the Pharisees and Sadducees aren't saying. The more you won't hear and see what the Roman soldiers are doing to your clothes. You won't even pay a lot of stuff attention because you have died to yourself. And the more you die, the less you see, the less you feel, the less you expect, the less you worry about because you died to yourself. And now you're about to be put into an empty tomb so that the Lord can resurrect you with a new body, a new mind, a new thought process, a new perspective. And now you can say, don't touch me. Don't let that stuff over there touch you any longer because you've been resurrected. The only reason it's still touching you because the resurrection is an event and not an experience. Once you start studying it and bringing it into an experience, you're going to find out that stuff don't matter. And between now and Sunday, you should have a whole disposition different about you. You should be looking and checking and, hey, how you doing? Going out your way. They're going to look at you like you're crazy because you ain't spoke to nobody in weeks and you don't walk by people. Yeah, they're going to do that. Don't matter. That's not what this is about. This is between you and the Lord. You now have to learn how to live outside the tomb. You're used to the cross and being thrown into some place. You now have to learn how to live outside the tomb with a new mind, a new body, and a new life, and move it from event to experience. That's what this is about. We got to move it from just it being a once a year an event. No, it's an experience. It's a testimony. It's a life. It is a whole way of living. It is a whole way of thinking. It is a way of shifting my memories and no longer hoarding memories of the past, but now having new memories of a new life, a new day, a new beginning, a new creation. All things have passed away and all things have been made new because of the resurrection. That's not just something at the end, like Mary thought. Mary and Martha thought it was an event. He said, no, it's an experience. And it's standing right here in front of you. She says, Lord, yeah, it's going to happen one day. I know in the trumpet sound, she was thinking event. He was like, no, the experience is right here in front of you. Now show me where the body is. Because there's about to be an experience like never before that you don't have to wait till then. It's about to happen right now. Amen. The experience. Watch this. The resurrection of God is not an event. It's an experience. And it's right now. I am the resurrection and I am the life. Come on, let's pray. Father God, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Father, we thank you. We honor you. We praise you. We bless your holy and awesome name. Father, we thank you, Lord, for life, health, and for strength. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our memories, in our minds, that we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And Lord, we apply the blood of Jesus to our minds. We apply the blood of Jesus to our memories. Show us what needs to be deleted what needs to be getting gotten rid of, what we need to release, what we need to let go, what we need to absorb, what we need to be brought in to our lives to change us, to evolve us, to grow us, to take us to new levels of life in you. Father, I call on the I am, the I am the resurrection and the I am the life 
to be in our lives even greater like never before. Move us from the event to now the experience that has affected our lives on a daily basis, that we now come into the testimony, the testifying of the resurrection of our lives. Our faith is tied to this, Lord. It's built on this. So, Father, we believe that you got Jesus up. You got us up. We believe, Father God, that we will have newness of life through his resurrection. That, Father, these are not things that are to come, but these are things that are right now. So, Father, help us to step into the right now of the resurrection. Help us to step into the right now of what you have ordained in our lives. Let us not read these scriptures and these words and quote them from what's to come, but let us read and quote them from what is and what we are to experience on a daily basis, the more we grow closer in you. So Father, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for the things we've held on to. Forgive us, Father God, for the plots in our minds and the vengeance that we want to get. And we want people to suffer because of what they did to us. And we want to get back. Father, even those things we say don't bother us no more. Father, today, Lord, we release the, the grudges, the bitterness, the unforgiveness. We release all of the invoices and taxation that we're trying to put on everybody else. Father, we release them from all these expectations because we demand payment. But Father, we turn our hearts over to you. We turn our minds over to you. Father, release us from the anger, from, from, the, from the negative passion that we have misdirected passion towards those that have hurt us, that we forgive us, Father, for looking to hear news of their demise. Forgive us, Father God, for looking to hear of how they crumbled and failed and, and how miserable they are. Father, forgive us for wanting them to feel the way we feel about things that have happened. Father, let our focus now be on us being healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, let our hearts now turn to you. Let us cry out to you tonight to be healed, to, to, to clean our hard drives from the viruses, things that have come in and, and, and those things that have hindered us, Lord. Father, clean us out. We release it all all the hurts that we have categorized, all the different compartments we put disappointment and rejection and we all the, the, the wrong expectations, the pedestals that we put people on that we should never have put them on in the name of Jesus. Father, forgive us for all of the things we were hoping people to be. And, and in their failure and their disappointment, we felt they failed us. But Father, we failed ourselves for having these expectations and these uh, just inhumane expectations on people. Lord, forgive us for the way we've handled our lives and we've let other people handle our lives and our emotions. Father, deliver us and set us free from the Egyptian mindset, from this mind of bondage, that Father, that you bring us into true and authentic sonship and that we accept it by the blood of Jesus Christ, that we accept who we are. And regardless of knowing we'll have 
trials and tribulations in this life, but Lord, we trust that you have already overcome them. We will be of good cheer. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you. Now, Father, tonight we put our mind on the altar, our memories on the altar. We put all our experiences on the altar. We put all the hurt on the altar. We put all the rage on the altar. We put all the fear and anxiety on the altar. Now, Father, burn it up so that we don't think that we need to pick it back up and put it back in our lives. Father, we want to be free men and women, but we also want to be free mind men and women, that our minds are free. So, Father, your word says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Father, we accept not just spiritual freedom, but mental freedom, emotional freedom, psychological freedom, intellectual freedom, social freedom, financial freedom, and, and physical freedom, all that comes with it. We accept it through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, Father, help us to die daily so that we can learn and live in Christ Jesus more and more every day. So, Father, we give you honor. We give you glory. We give you praise. It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, I bless God for you. And, and we're going to uh, I thank God. I pray to hope that this message has helped you. I hope that it has been uh, powerful for you to grow in this, in this as the Lord gave me. We're going to take time to sow our seeds today, and, and, and our, we want to sow our tithes, our offering. Uh, we want to go above and beyond what we normally do without fear, without anxiety, and without hope, without thinking something's going to happen to us if we trust God. Don't let the enemy trick you. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to own your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. So we trust in the Lord. We trust in the Lord. We don't trust in our past. We get it. Things have happened, but we bless the name of the Lord. It's okay to give. It's okay to sow. It's okay to serve. It's going to be, it's okay to you to love and trust God again. People are people. They will always be people. There always will be people. And, and, and I want you to get to a place that you don't, uh, Get hung up on that. People will always be people, but never let that deter you from being who God's called you to be. I've been there. I get it. And and, and it took me some years to get to that place of where I was okay with me because I was so concerned that people weren't okay with me that I stopped being okay with me. And I put myself in a self-imposed prison even though the people that didn't was always whatever don't aren't even around. So here I am sitting in a prison and the people I was concerned about aren't even a part of my life anymore, no longer part of ministry. And, and, and I, the Lord had to say, son, uh, you know, there's no key to this. Just push the door and swing open. And so it's been my journey to be more and more of who I am. And I'm, I'm happy about that. And I want you to, I want you to have that same, experience. I want you to be okay with who you are within the grace and the holiness of God. That don't mean you're out here just cussing and carrying on, but it does mean I am confident of who I am in Christ. I'm confident that I am a son and a daughter of the most high God. I'm confident of those things. So I don't have to fear loving people because the Lord loves people through me. My responsibility is to not 
put high expectations or any expectations on them to love me back. The love I give is freely given. It's, it doesn't have an attachment or a condition. Stop expecting people to love you back and, and just be kind and not worry and don't, and don't do things. Well, I did this with them. They didn't even say thank you. Listen, you when Jesus helped, helped the lepers, only one came back to say thank you. As a pastor, as an apostle, and a leader of the Lord's church, I have to learn that people won't say thank you. And I'm still growing in that because we bust our hump <laughs> to make sure the church is good and, and stuff. But I had to learn too, people just won't say thank you. That's just where they are. And you have to let that, you have to keep walking and let that be and, and be okay uh, with where people are as long as you're not there with them. Let people, people want to be miserable, let them be miserable. You don't have to... If a person don't want to be miserable, they won't be. If you don't want to change, you won't. There's nothing to it. So don't try to convince people to be more than they really saying, I, I'm not interested. Let them have it. Let the dead bury the dead. The poor you'll have with you always. Stop trying to convince people to be something that they are convinced they don't want to be. And you got to let them have that. Even if it's a loved one, a child, a, a spouse, a, a co-worker, or Whatever the case is, you got to be okay with that. And I had to learn that too and let the Lord just move you into new relationships of people that want to do and you, that there's an agreement and, and, and that the two of you can walk together. You want the same thing. You're thinking the same thing and you're headed to the same direction. And those things are possible in the church. So I bless God for you guys. I love you all. So please, so, um, so, so, so. I'll put that back up here for you for about another 60 seconds and, and let you know that my wife on, on I want to say, I want to say on the 26th of Friday, might be the last Friday uh, of um, this month. I think it's the last Friday of this month. Um, First Lady will do a session, a women's session with the ladies of the Embassy Church at 7.30 p.m. It's a Friday night. I want to say it's the 23rd. I think it is the 23rd. And... Um, I think it's the 23rd and all the ladies of TEC that's not open to everybody on the outside and it's not going to be streamed, uh, but it's just for the ladies and, and for my wife, uh, I love to um, impart and pour into. And so we hope that many of you all will be on there. Okay. Well, um, April 23rd, April 23rd, that's a Friday at, at uh, 730. So please be on there in the name of Jesus. Continue to sow in your vision builders. We are off to a phenomenal start. Sow without fear. Give without fear and trust the process. And the Lord says in Malachi 3 and 8, he says, prove me. Give me a shot. Let me show you. Don't, 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 don't focus on that. Give me a shot. Give it to me and I'll show you what I'll do with it. And all I need for you to do is trust me and believe. Amen. So I bless God for you. Uh, I thank you for timing in. And, and if you're with us, joining us from out of town or any other place, thank you. Chime in and say, hey, I'm watching from Brazil. I'm watching from Florida. I'm watching from Waikiki. I'm watching from Pilahatchee. Uh I think that's in Mississippi. <laughs> I'm watching from, uh, you know, wherever, wherever you're watching from. Thank you. In Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, watching from there in Atlanta and wherever the case may be. Thank you, thank you, thank you. May the Lord continuously bless you and keep you and be gracious to you and may his face 
shine upon you. Uh, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God bless you and go in peace and may the peace of God be upon you. I'll see you Sunday morning, the Lord's will, at 10 a.m. on our YouTube channel. God bless you. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another empowering message from Apostle Kenneth K. Law of the Embassy Church Podcast Experience. For more information to include our service times, ways to give, and for opportunities to serve, visit our website at www.TheEmbassyLife.org. Until next time, God bless.